Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In 1966, the Beach Boys released what many consider to be their best album, and then some that don't are just wrong. Uh, it's, number, it's in the top five of Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Albums of All Time. Uh, number one being, anyone? Oh, the White Album. That was close. Right artist. <laughs> okay. He said Miles Davis. He said Abbey Road. You're both wrong, and I'm at the pulpit, so no, I'm kidding. But Pet Sounds, 1966, Brian Wilson, the genius uh, producer and songwriter of the Beach Boys, had an incredible album that uh, has songs that you know, God Only Knows, and beautiful things. And there's a song that's a little less known called You Still Believe in Me. And it begins with what I think is a very poignant phrase. I know perfectly well I'm not where I should be. I know perfectly well I'm not where I should be. What about you? Are you where you should be? Church, yeah, that's right, that's right. But I mean psychodynamically, in your relationships, the people you live with, your own mental life, are you where you should be? Are you where you want to be? I know perfectly well I'm not where I should be. Last week, I gave you an experiment to pretend like the gospel is actually true, which means when you get to a situation in your life where you realize you are not where you're supposed to be, you've gone back to the habit that you thought you kicked, you've broken the resolution, you've uh, let your tongue slip and say something that you didn't mean to say, you've hurt the people you live with, you have put off what you've said you're going to do forever, whatever the case may be, where you have arrived where you're not supposed to be, you're not where you'd like to be, to remind yourself that the gospel is actually true, meaning pretend like you're actually forgiven. Pretend like you're actually loved. Now, I said pretend. I know it's true. I know the gospel is true. But again, so many of us, because we hear the opposite of that, you're not loved. You need to get better. You need to try harder. You're not where you're supposed to be. Get with the program. Because we hear that message so consistently, it's really hard to allow ourselves to believe that maybe, just maybe, the gospel is true. Your sins are forgiven. You are loved. There's nothing more to earn no performance, no annual performance review with the Lord. So I ask you to try that out as an experiment, and especially to do so at those moments where you feel like you have failed or let someone down or failed yourself. How did it go? Please don't answer out loud. It's funny, people answered the music question, but then when I ask about like, you know, so how are you really doing? Everybody's suddenly looking at their shoelaces. I get it. 
that it's hard to believe that the gospel is actually true because most of us do not see God as a loving, kind, forgiving, generous being, person who delights in us. Most of us tend to see God like this. You know who this is? This is Andre the Giant. Not as you know and love him in The Princess Bride, but this is an image uh, that was designed by a student at the Rhode Island School of Design in the 1980s in Providence, Rhode Island, just down the hill from Brown. And it was an inside joke among his friends, made a sticker of it, and it caught on and was the first thing to really go viral, even pre-internet. And um, just to show you that I'm not making this up, you can buy t-shirts with this image for $200 at Nordstrom. So it's sort of caught on. If you've never seen it, just ask anyone you know who's cooler than you, and they'll be able to fill you in. But I bring this up because many people, this is how they sort of think of God. Obey or else. And so when I tell you to believe that God loves you, this is all you see. All right, we can make Andre go away. It's a little too intense. But I get where we get this idea. So we read in 1 John, the scripture for today, one of the scriptures we heard read, 1 John, it's called 1 John because John wrote three letters. This is the first one. And in chapter 5, verse 3, it says, For the love of God is this, that we obey His commandments. And then same writer, different book, the Gospel of John, which we heard read also, chapter 15. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And verse 14 Jesus says, if you, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So in 1 John, our passage today, obey shows up twice. In both 1 John and John's gospel, the passage is today. Command or commandment shows up six times. Doesn't sound like unconditional love to me. It sounds like good old-fashioned conditional love, the kind I grew up with. right? That's what you learned at Little League. Just have fun. Doesn't matter whether you win or lose, just have fun playing the game. Psych! <laughs> so I guess it's back to working hard to make God happy. Keep the Andre the Giant in the sky pleased with my performance. Obey the commandments. And many people think this is what Christianity is. I know this because I meet with people on their deathbed, and these are people who've gone to church their whole life. They've heard about the unconditional love of God, and yet they say things to me like, I just hope that my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. In which I go, believe the gospel. No, I don't do that. That wouldn't be very... Christian, but I do remind them of the love of God, but it just shows that many people think that Christianity is this. I'll give you the definition. Follow the rules, but to quote Von Quiqui, don't get crazy. <laughs> this man is a fan of viral video clips, so 
Mad TV was a show. There was a character named Bonquiqui. She worked at a fast food restaurant, and she was famous for saying, Welcome to King Burger, where you can have it your way, but don't get crazy. <laughs> and people think this is what Christianity is. Follow the rules, or God loves you, but don't get crazy. It's sort of, if you are a good boy or girl, that's the point. And if you do make a mistake, say you're sorry, and if you really mean it, Jesus will forgive you. So follow the rules, and Jesus gets you off the hook, we hope. That's how many people experience Christianity. Now, here at St. Albans, we talk about grace all the time. It's sort of our thing. I mean, it's not our thing. It's the Bible thing, and it's sort of the main message, and we talk about it every Sunday. But then we get to today, Obey Sunday, where all these passages talk about these commandments and obedience and Zimmerman, are you ignoring these passages? To which I reply, would you like to preach this sermon by all means? Come on, go ahead. I get it, I get it. The Bible is full of do these things, don't do these things. So where do we fit that into this whole grace equation? Does that undermine it? Which is the bigger deal? And let me just say this right off the bat. Christianity is about the unconditional love of God for sinners. Christianity is about the unconditional love of God for sinners. You see this in Acts chapter 10. We read that passage today where Cornelius, you didn't know this because we sort of skipped ahead, but Cornelius, a Roman centurion, a Gentile, not circumcised, bowed down to Caesar, did all the things you're not supposed to do, ate bacon. And when Peter comes to tell him about Jesus, the phrase he said right before today's passage was forgiveness of sins, and everybody got a dose of the ghost. The Holy Spirit fell, they started speaking in tongues, and Peter commanded that they all be baptized because they'd clearly been welcomed in to the kingdom, to the community of God's people, not because of what they'd done, but just because of God's love. This is the message in Acts 10, but it's the message of Jesus throughout his ministry. Every time he meets a sinner, he says, come on, get on my team. It's how he acts all the time. This is, what, this is the news. You know, so 1 John, the passage, there was this weird part where you totally lost what the thread was. It was already hard enough because it's the Bible, and it's like, where is this going? But John said that Jesus came by water and the blood, not just by water, but also the blood. And what he meant is that he was baptized in the water by John the Baptist, confusing so many Johns. And Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the water, which began his teaching ministry, where Jesus told you things like, blessed are the poor and blessed are the meek, and uh, um, the Sermon on the Mount, where he said, do these good things, don't do these bad things. That's the ministry of the water, and he didn't stop there. If all we needed was somebody to tell us to not do bad things and to do good things, that's all Jesus had to do. But not just water, the blood. He goes to the cross. This is forgiveness of sins for people who actually need it. So that's the message. But then, again, then John says, 
We got to obey, and these are the commandments. So I'm left with this confusing sense, and I'm going to quote Kenan Thompson, one of the longest serving cast members of Saturday Night Live, who had an ongoing skit where he portrayed a host of a show on BET called Ooh Wee, What Up With That? I'm just dying up here. <laughs> trying, I'm trying. But seriously, what up if it's grace, but also obey the commandments, what is the deal? Well, here's the deal. So the key is that John wrote this. John, the beloved disciple, St. John, the one who wrote this gospel passage we read, the one who wrote the letter that we read, he wrote this. He is the guy that seems to be so confused between grace, 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 but obey, obey, obey. But he's not confused. We are. Because we need to go back to what John wrote a little bit earlier in John chapter 6, the sixth chapter of this gospel. And he, was, um, he wrote a story about what happened one day when Jesus was asked. This is chapter 6, verse 28. People asked him, what do we have to do to perform the works of God? What are the things we have to do? What are the commandments? What should we obey? Give us the rules. And Jesus said, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. In other words, trust in Jesus. Don't trust in what you do or don't do. Trust in Jesus. Now, easier said than done, right? And again, that sounds abstract, that sounds removed. You know, this is the kind of thing uh, um, uh, we, we want, you know, so many people know someone that they love and they really want that person to trust in Jesus. And they um, make them go to religious camps or they make them go to Bible studies or they uh, leave books on the bedside table or send them email forwards which get deleted immediately. Just if you're doing that, just FYI. Just trust in Jesus. Easy, right? No. Because again, it seems so unlike anything. What do you mean I don't have to do anything? I don't have to earn anything? What do you, what do you mean my standardized test scores don't matter? What do you mean the number of followers I have on social media don't matter? What do you, what, you know, the number of, ki of people today that their goal in life is to have a certain number of followers on TikTok or to be YouTube famous, I mean, that's the thing. That's what everybody wants to be. Talk to anybody who's 12 years old. They want to be famous on YouTube. And you ask them who are the most popular people on YouTube, you've never heard of any of them. But they exist. Um, so in a world that demands performance and acclaim, trust in Jesus? Well, this is what it actually means. And this is, I'm kind of repeating my experiment from last week. Again, try again. Believe that the gospel is actually true, but I'm going to give you a new phrase for when you let yourself down, when you let somebody else down, when you find yourself back in the same patterns, when you uh, find yourself in those places where you think you're really not, as Brian Wilson said, I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. These words, four words, I'm coming to them. They come from Charlottesville, Virginia. 
And this is an encounter that happened between a buddy of mine named Sam and his pastor. And his pastor is a guy named Paul at Christ Episcopal Church in Charlottesville, Virginia. You ever been to Charlottesville? Everything's brick, black Labrador retrievers everywhere. Lots of preppy people. It's where Thomas Jefferson built the University of Virginia. So Christ Episcopal Church, fancy downtown church, very old, very historic, very nice. And my buddy Sam was the music minister, and he had a side project where he would highlight local bands in Charlottesville and would go out to where they are, sometimes bring them to the church, play a song, we'll film you, we'll kind of highlight your work. And they were doing one of these shoots at the church in a, in a parlor, in a parlor room in which Martha Stewart would have felt very comfortable, very fancy, no beanbag chairs. You know, there's paintings on the wall that they did not get at Hobby Lobby. It's a very nice situation. And the cameraman, who was heavy set, uh, got on the couch to film this scene, whatever he wanted to get the camera angle. So he gets up onto this couch, probably that Thomas Jefferson sat in, and he's standing on the couch, and the couch gives up. Enormous crack, and the thing that holds the whole thing together breaks. It's now beyond repair. And so Sam, the next day, he goes into the office of his minister to apologize for breaking the couch and to tell him what happened. And he goes to see Paul Walker, and there he is in the principal's office. And he's expecting to get forgiven because Paul's a minister. And he's expecting that Paul's going to say something like, well, Sam, I'm glad you've told me this. Sure, it took a lot to come into my office. Thank you. But of course, actions have consequences. Uh, we won't be able to shoot your videos at the church anymore, but I just want you to know I forgive you. It's like one of those things where somebody forgives you, but it doesn't feel like forgiveness. But instead, what Paul Walker said when he confessed the breaking of Thomas Jefferson's couch Big whoop, who cares? And that's what grace feels like. Big whoop, who cares? In Jesus Christ, God has gotten out of the religion business. God has gotten out of the business of you trying to earn anything with God. You have been forgiven. The cross did its work. Your sin could not hold Jesus in the grave. He rose from the dead to prove to you that there is no longer any barrier between you and God. The curtain in the temple was torn in two, if you know the story. No more judgment. In John chapter 3, you know John 3.16, but John 3.17 says God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through Him. And now I'm nervous giving you these words, big whoop, who cares? I mean, if you were to sin today and your pastor taught you that all you had to do was say, big whoop, who cares? I mean, you guys might just do whatever you want. <laughs> but here's the thing. You and I both know you already are. And if I were to just tell you to cut it out, you'd be like, hmm. 
just going to file that away into the little drawer that says, stuff my pastor says that I don't do. <laughs> the reason I can say, big whoop, who cares? The reason I can walk out onto that limb is because that's what the Scripture says. Not that the stuff that you've done wrong doesn't matter. It actually matters so much that Jesus Christ came and died for your sins and mine. It's a huge deal. But because of what He's done, because those sins really are forgiven, because they really are put away, I can stand on what the Psalms say. As far as the east is from the west, so has God removed our sins from us, and He remembers them no more. He doesn't remember them. We are the ones that are determined to never forget them or ever allow ourselves off the hook. So this, these four words are just another way of saying what the Bible says is true. Big whoop, who cares? It's actually forgiven. You don't have to dwell in it anymore. And you can do what John says, or what Jesus says as John writes down, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. Abide. Just come back to the love again and again. We're going to baptize Cora Massengill in just a moment. She has done nothing to deserve the love of God. Her resume is extremely short. <laughs> and what you're going to hear is that God loves her. Your resume is considerably longer, and it's mostly not good stuff. But you also are loved by God. The free grace of God is what this table is about, it's what that water back there is about. It's what the scriptures are about. It's what this church is about. Because that's what you and I need. So in the name of Jesus, big whoop, who cares? Amen. <laughs>